You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Emery's book, 1001 Albums, is here before you die. So we talked about Dagmar Kraus tank battles. Uh, on the line, I have Rob. Howdy, 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 howdy. I have Kyle. On cabaret. And Solange. Yeah. <laughs> tank battles is a solo album by German singer Dagmar Kraus, released by Island Records in 1988. The producer was Greg Cohen, and the genre is cabaret, jazz, and avant-garde. I'm going to read from the book Gareth Thompson. Born in Hamburg in 1950, the teenage Dagmar Kraus sang in the city's notorious Reaper band nightclubs. Much later in 1978, after starring in a London version of the Breck Kurt Weill musical Mahogany, Kraus began researching the life of Weill's compatriot, musician Hans Eichler, who had fought with a Hungarian regiment in 1916 before teaming up with prominent poet Bertolt Brock. Tank Battles is a glossy production, an ensemble of arrangements that came from Greg Cohen, who had recently worked with Tom Waits' cabaret-inspired album, Frank's Wild Years. Cohen's interpretations crackle with nervous tension. Staccato string and windwood lines pulsate under Krauss's metallic German vowels. Most of the tracks are rendered in English, yet lose none of Rock's bitter passions. Song of the Whitewash, the Ballad of Bourgeoisie, Welfare, Drip with Venom, as do the Militant, You Have to Pay, and the Trenches. Tank Battles is not without dark humor, and Krauss's hushed portrayal of a prostitute Mother Belim over a simple bassoon motif is mastery. Then there is the sweeping sorrow of a German mother and a homecoming to reckon with. Uh, Robert Denslow of The Guardian described the album as European soul. No listener could surely resist Krauss's heartfelt vitality. All right, what do we think of Dagmar Krauss' tank battles? This shit smokes. Yeah, <laughs> man. This is a this is <laughs> impossible to find except for YouTube. And, yeah. And I, I didn't know what to expect. And wowie zowie, I was not expecting the un cabaret. Cabaret. <laughs> un cabaret. I feel like I am living the soundtrack of Babylon Berlin with this with this album. I feel it's just <laughs> and I will say like the <laughs> This, I'm sorry, this album is so insane. We're listening to it right now. And pay, it yeah. sounds it sounds so it just sounds like a musical, like like yep. cats yep. or like this like the Cinderella with Brandy. Like it's it's so all over the place and wild. <laughs> I didn't Reminded know what to expect a, either. Do you guys know the song Marionette by by ABBA? Sure, yeah. 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 
thought of that song a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Obviously thought of the cabaret musical a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. Oh my awesome. God. Yes. Yes. You fool. I've been sleeping with him too. Yeah. yeah so no, the, have I. Guys, orchestrations <laughs> on this are fucking incredible. Like, yeah. They're really yes. good. Yep. It's really, really well done. I, I will say it's a little, what would you say? Off-putting for this project because you're. <laughs> it's a lot. It, and what, it there's is, like 24 yeah. songs on here. Like, yeah. So many songs, and you're—it's kind of just came out of left field. I feel like we haven't done musicals, we haven't done soundtracks for the most part. I mean, we did what Shaft and things like that, but it's just a completely different side of music that I don't think this book is. I mean, we didn't we do the what was it? Billy Holiday, the Gershwin like songbook. Yeah, but I mean, I mean that that's where. I kind of got thrown back to that with this sure. because like, she's just doing this one, uh, one fella, the Hans Eisler. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it's just kind of like her doing his work. And I think he died in the sixties. So I, I, uh, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm off topic. You, you're bringing up something that I'm thinking about with this album that I didn't really think about when I was listening to it, which is like, yeah, she's only doing one composer. I don't know a whole lot about, the composition or the performance of music. I know a lot about music as a topic of things that exist, but I don't understand much like operational, but, you know, as a person who like my dad is a super talented musician, a composer or an artist or a performer can like interpret a piece of work differently. And you may not necessarily ever hear if you're going to hear like, a Beethoven symphony uh, like live, you may never hear it the same way again. If you had a different, like a different conductor conducting a different orchestra to do it, you know? And I think what's cool about this album and really revolutionary and like, yeah, it comes left field is she's interpreting these songs and it's just one guy, but I can guarantee you, like if I were to listen to his music in a different context, it wouldn't sound like this. Yeah. Yeah, she's Definitely. taking it to this really interesting, yeah, cabaret style that is all staccato and mm-hmm. bombast mm-hmm. Uh, to kind of get the point across of these atrocities of war, essentially. It's, yeah, it's very arresting. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, Rob. I don't mean any offense to you personally with this, but <gasps> it gives me major Danny Elfman score vibes. <laughs> no offense whatsoever. We, we, yeah, we all you're not got offending it. anybody yeah, over here. No, you're, I just want to make sure. Like, I have I an Oingo Boingo I, tattoo. I love <laughs> some ripped ancient Danny Elfman as much as the next guy. <laughs> he and literally is Mumra. I yeah, saw a photo of him. And he's ever living. Nothing but muscle. <laughs> I saw a photo of him and I was like, damn, they that someone really cleaned up that photo from the 80s. And I was like, wait, huh? Yeah, I had to think. I had to sit down for a while, um, but yeah. You guys want to do a separate <laughs> podcast about the uh, <laughs> Danny about, Elfman about all the muscles? Thousand of, Coachella, thousand, of, <laughs> thousand of one Danny Elfman muscles you must see before you die. <laughs> no, I think that's that's completely apt. Yeah, it has this sort of just careening vocal. It's like a circus. I feel like I'm at the yes! circus when I'm in this. It it it's all over the place. And it's, I mean, Rob and Kyle, you, you've done also like uh, musical and, and theater and things like this. Is this, uh, you probably have more knowledge of, of that sort of musical world than 
I do. So is this sort of the, on the thing I wrote? Yeah, directly under the title tank battles music for theater kids this is straight up cabaret <laughs> oh yeah. god yeah no actually i i disagree because i i thought it was theatrical without it being theater kid like um i think it was kyle that brought up dresden dolls in our chat yep. and i yeah i this doesn't make me think of amanda palmer who i find like incredibly annoying like she's as a, a little human divisive being. yeah oh i f- just cannot stand her when she opens her mouth. I'm like, stop. And I'm sure lots of people say that about me too. I feel like it's like not theater kitty. You know, I feel like, I feel like if this is like, if the kind of theater kid that wears an ascot or has like a, a newsboy cap, it's like, is this music for like a theater kid like me who wanted to do like Godot in theater, not like a Disney theater kid. I think this is for the douchey theater kid. Maybe that's what I'm trying to say. I mean, uh, I would would say Dresden Dolls is very cabaret inspired uh, type of type of performance. It's a completely different thing, and there's been you know many bands have got there. Uh, Am I the I did, only person that was into Dresden Dolls? Dude, I fucking hate that. I was Sounds into them like for like a month when I was fourteen, and then I was like, "Well, I'm done with that now." <laughs> Sorry. No, I haven't thought of Dresden Dolls until listening to this record the past couple weeks. I was like, "Coin operated boy." Yeah, it it has a very, yeah, it does have a very, um, it's reminiscent of it, for sure. I did find it interesting, Greg Cohen, you know, who had done the ensemble arrangements, I'm very familiar with Frank's Wild Years, the the Tom Waits uh, mm-hmm. cabaret-inspired album, and I thought that was, that's a really good, uh, I just connected immediately after I realized that, oh, right, yeah, that was going on because uh, I was trying to, you know, paint the portrait of, OK, Cabaret came a little bit earlier than this. It's, you know, this is 1988. What else is there even like this at the time? And yeah, the Tom Waits sort of inspired it. It brought yeah. it all home for me to some fucking hobo beating on marimbas. Right. And, th- and then you have this sort of German uh, performance art. In burnt translations, war and money came racing through. Bushes and pebbles bumping paper currency through. A thousand dollars rocketed into the billions. And the wider the hunger spread, and the higher the dollar boomed, all the greater inflation of misery We were talking about how hard it is to find stuff about this album online. Um, I mean, I know I looked a lot. Rob, you said you just found a bunch of YouTube comments about people reading this book and complaining. I think Rob and I having to listen to it. I think Rob and I listened to the same YouTube of this. Those comments were so fucking choice. Just a bunch of little babies (laughs) bitching about reading a book and listening to music for free it, it, it's wonderful i i, I <laughs> dare all of you to go read those comments they are sorry. i think we were on the same one because wasn't there someone who was like this reminds me of bjork and i was like ah i love this person everybody else was like <laughs> <So> <laughs> you. I, I actually agree like this reminds me of bjork too like I, ian was listening to it a little bit yesterday and he's like oh yeah this is definitely oh so quiet kind of territory mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. getting back to uh, the guy who wrote all the shit, Hans uh, <clears throat> Eisler, he studied 
under, I believe, uh, Schrodenberg, who Arnold Schrodenberg is the guy that came up with the 12 tone method. And he what's drew- that? <sighs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I'm glad you asked. So the 12 tone technique is also known as uh, dodecophony, uh, which is or 12 tone surrealism. Um, it's a method of musical composition that uh, Co- Copeland and Stravinsky were 12 tone, uh, basically, as opposed to your uh, traditional like 12 tone is is chromatic. It's ri- written in, in, in chromatic. Um, there's no common tonality between the stuff that you're uh, that you're doing. So think of like Rob, just fire- forget. Just forget I asked. I don't understand any of the words you just said. Think I don't know. Firebird Suite. Are you familiar with that Stravinsky work? No, I've probably heard have of you, it. Have I, you ever seen Fantasia? The one yeah, with yeah. The I mean, I said I've, I was going to say I've heard. I've probably heard it because I've watched. Okay, that, that that that's twelve tone. Um, okay, but okay. Uh, much to the chagrin of the guy he he was studying under, he uh, started writing uh, in the twenty eight more jazz and cabaret stuff so this the stuff that we're listening to was written as cabaret mm-hmm. like he's uh the, 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 this this was the intent um and yeah it, it probably sounds different than what he may have like been going for but it's it it's not as if she was like turning weird avant-garde shit into like uh into cabaret tunes so right so, uh, he was inspired by jazz and cabaret at the time mm-hmm. to to create this so this is realized in the fashion in which it was intended to be yes. realized. Oh, that's really interesting. Cause I kind of just assumed that maybe these were like supposed to be orchestral or symphonic pieces and that she reinterpreted them. And I didn't realize that this is the exact way in which they are, which makes me curious if they've ever been realized in other interpretations that were not his vision. I mean, just her as a performer, I think she is doing Oh, she's insane, dude. She's great. Yeah, an amazing yeah. job. But you know, I, I, good. if you if we want to do like a direct compare, it's Liza Minnelli and Cabaret is like, who else is going to do that role? You know, like she's she is that role. And I feel like that's that's what I got from this is major Marlena is, Dietrich vibe. She she oh, is sure. yeah. sort of like personifying what this is, what this would be. I don't know. It would be kind of interesting. I, I, it makes me like want to know more about her. And I can tell you. Go on. <laughs> yes. Uh, so she she's actually uh, worked with some of the other people that we've uh, talked with talked about before. So she was uh, she joined the the band Henry Cow, which was a you know sort of a prog progressive band, and she enhanced she gave them her sort of vocal prowess so she comes from this prague 1970s prague world and then she's transitioning here into looking further back into doing the cabaret stuff but yeah she worked with a uh, uh, robert robert wyatt from uh, soft cell oh wow who also had the um did i say that right soft machine I'm sorry. Just kidding. I rescind rescind Uh, my wow. Yeah. Sex dwarf? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) So Henry Cow, she toured with them for two years, and then she did duos with uh, Robert Wyatt, who was in Soft Machine, um, the, you know, set in the late 70s jazz prog group. And I think that shit rules. Yeah, yeah. It's very interesting. And so uh, uh, she's on that sort of level of the late seventies avant jazz, you know, 
frog element. And I think this album, you know, she did two albums this year, uh, both based on these sort of cabaret styles. And so it, it, uh, she kind of moved out of these, uh, what would you say, the jazzy prog into this con- high concept of uh, mm-hmm. period pieces. Uh, she also appeared in 1987, sang backing vocals for Here and There by the Stranglers. Whoa. <laughs> so wild. Oh. Wow, I got to check that out. It's cool. So now, knowing that she's interpreting this in the way that it's supposed to be, would you call that would you guys call this a concept album? I mean, are would cabaret be a concept album? It's all the same material, so yes. Yeah, of course. It's all about the war, right? It's all about it's all about the war. Um yeah, I mean it's <laughs> it, it, it's uh it's no Operation Mindcrime. It is no good Kyle. Yeah, I, I think I'm having a hard time saying it's well would you say a conceptual album? Because I wouldn't call like a soundtrack, a conceptual album, right? I wouldn't call a, mu- a musical, a conceptual album. We're kind of splitting hairs at this point. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I understand. Yeah. Evening, barley soup, and the workers are even allowed in the park. Fine. That is the fennec. I mean, there's a really good possibility that the works of Hans Eisler were directly influential to Cabaret being written as a musical. Like, his, yeah. he, he's a he's a powerhouse of a uh, of a composer. I mean, to the point where like. Uh, he and his uh, writing partner, um, Brecht. Ber- Bertolt Brecht. Yeah, thank mm-hmm. you. Brecht. Um, like they um, they wrote a bunch of shit together, but they also collaborated on protest songs specifically to the political turmoil in the Weimar Germany in the, in the 1930s. They had a song, uh, the Solidarity Song, which became a popular like, militant anthem that folks were singing in the streets uh, during public meetings in Europe. And uh, they have a thing called the Ballad of Paragraph. 218 which is the world's first song protesting laws against abortion Mm. yeah i think to to your point too asking you know why why is this in here uh, dagmar has a very unique voice that is uh you know just to quote many have called idiosyncratic husky vibrato laden alto you know, can range from that sweet, melodious sort of croon to the sort of darker elements. And she's got a, she she has a very interesting presence. And I think that this is included because it's not only a good, you know, well thought out album, but it, it does give us a slice of a certain type of music that we don't, we're probably not going to have in any of these other albums. Like it's, it's sort of throwing in a element that, uh, yeah, is is just different. And probably I'm glad this pro- is in the book. Yeah, 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 I yeah me too. I, yeah, I'm not saying yeah. I'm not glad. I I also am no, glad I, it's yeah. in the book. It's especially because it's like the hard to find quality. It gives it an air of mystique 
you know, mm-hmm. I yeah. kind of like that. It was, it was really, or like how we couldn't find, it was so hard to find like Gil Scott hair. And like, you had to listen to Gil Scott hair and on like YouTube, I think that gives it a really like mysterious quality. Like, why can't I find this, you know, but it's, I, I agree. Like, I think it's a, uh, the fact that it's 1988 and it's cabaret music, it's, it's out of, it's out of time, you know, it's um, mm-hmm. anachronistic. It's anachronistic for this era and I think that's I think that's part of what I I like about this album is it's it's very of a certain time that is that doesn't exist anymore that was so specific for like the political climate of that time and place in which it did exist. And I like that she's kind of evo- that she's evoking that, you know, I said before, very big Marlena Dietrich vibes. And I I honestly stand behind that with her, especially with, I agree her, with her vocals. Yeah. 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 I mean, you also have to think. Berlin Wall is still up. That's true. You yeah, know? for another year. Yeah. So it is, you say it's kind of out of time. Yes, the music, the sort of cabaret style, but things that she's, you know, talking about. And wasn't the it? The winds a, of change are blowing, Birch. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the composer that she is is a singing about is he composed the East German anthem, I believe. Yep. He sure did. Uh, so, you know, it's an interesting element looking back on it too, to be 1988. She's t- talking about tank battles, you know, fighting, uh, sad mothers and grieving about the war. And then also having these sort of, a sort of like split within her own country of, uh, of these uh, of things happening uh also nina hagen if no one is familiar with her she's oh i'm very familiar yes awesome. we've, yes amazing yeah it reminded me of nina hagen's uh sort of performance art uh operatic singing and mm-hmm. conceptualization yeah no this was a neat this was a neat thing to listen to you I didn't know what I was getting into, and I was yeah. like, "Cats!" I, oh my I, god! I Cats. recommend it because you're such a Leibach fan, and I thought, "Yeah, maybe this will." No, I, I well, that's absurd. part of what I love about the project, and unfortunate about going to bed early is what I love about the project is listening to stuff that I've never listened to or I've never given a chance to, you know, and. I think being able to give something a chance that you're unfamiliar with is I think that's a quality that's lacking in our in our American society. People just don't want to get out of their comfort zone. They want to be with things that are familiar. And I'm willing to, you know, music is so so polarizing for people. I mean, clearly people really hated this album on YouTube. And it's like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry that there isn't enough David Bowie for you in this in this book. But, you know, it's like man, sometimes you'll find something that's like really unique. And this is like one of those things like Leibach that's truly unique and kind of unattainable. Like we said Dresden dolls, but they don't sound like this. You know, this is this is like polished. No, I agree with you, Solange. Yeah, this is this is great. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to circle back around to uh, what Rob said about reading those YouTube comments about people furious having to having to listen to this record to get through like you know, the thousand and one albums they don't experience. Know what pain is. First of yeah. all, you don't have to do anything. Yeah. You this, know, like you- this, this was cool. Um, this was a fun surprise. This was like a wild card. Yeah. Uh, I was into it. Um, and I'm glad you guys liked it too. Yeah. I, you know, I wasn't 
sure what to expect when I first put this on. It's and, not, um, yeah, it's not something I'm going to, you know, go back and revisit a lot, but this isn't going on a mix CD. Yeah. Or, it's, it's a great know, experience not, for sure. You get, yeah. get, get your wife. You're like, Hey girl, I got this new, uh, got this new album for you. Yeah. <laughs> Tank battles. <laughs> in the lights. I kind of want to put this and, uh, Lou Reed's Berlin, like mixed together mm. on a shuffle. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I saw the album art for this and I was like, oh, it's going to be like Lily Berlin. I'm, ooh, I'm going to be kind of excited for this. Then I put this on. I was like, the fuck? <laughs> like, <laughs> what? <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Rob, do you remember when we were in high school and we would like drive around at night and play um, Jingle Cats? Hell yeah. And like we would blast it and like roll up on people walking and yep. just like look at them and blast jingle cats and drive away yeah you guys seemed so cool in high school oh, oh my god we, we could do that with this record we totally, we totally could do <laughs> that with this record let's get in our cars right now guys and go freak out some squares <laughs> uh everybody's on the positive Hell yeah, oh man. completely listen to this record don't yeah. be a fucking baby everyone should listen to this it's wonderful yeah i think it's yeah it's unique and that's i'm always in your mind quaid always <laughs> <laughs> Always up for unique. All right, next time we'll be talking about Katie Lang, Shadowland. <laughs>